We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. Welcome to the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Member FDIC. Thank you guys so much for spending a little bit of time with us today. My name is Kent Swanson and I am here with my dear pals uh, to talk a little bit about some Chiefs news and the rookie mini minicamp that is coming up here shortly. And by my dear pals, I mean, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend. Hello, Kent. I'm excited to be here because we've been really busy these last couple weeks, you know, with getting everything going, getting everything off the ground. Mm -hmm. But I have finally strong-armed everybody hard enough <laughs> that we are allowed to talk about the rookies. We are allowed to talk about this rookie class on this <laughs> KC Sports Network podcast channel, and I am excited. I don't know about the rest of you. I'm assuming that my dear friend Craig Stout is also excited to talk about these rookies. It just took a little bit of elbow grease and maybe a swift leg kick to get us on this podcast of Zoom. Yeah, um, the transitional period that we had meant that we didn't really get to like super deep dive <laughs> into the rookies. So looking forward to talking about him today. But we did have some news that broke the Chiefs always made stealing a my thunder. I always see <laughs> Maddie draft thunder. Chiefs made a trade for a cornerback. Isn't that right, Kent? That is right. Uh, Mike Hughes formerly of UCF, a 2018 first-round pick, one year left remaining on his rookie deal, acquired by Brett Veach, who loves himself. Some first-round talents, and he secured himself another one. Doing a little pick swap, there was not much to give up. The Chiefs surrendered a 2022 sixth-round pick. They got back a 2022 seventh-round pick, so they moved back. 40-ish spots, including the compensatory picks. I know there's only 32 teams in this league, but the math in the back end of the draft is a little bit more wonky. They moved back a little bit in the 2022 draft in the late-round picks to secure Mike Hughes, and uh, it's a very fascinating move. Craig, what do you think the Kansas City Chiefs are getting out of a Mike Hughes? I know everybody's going to hang on the first-round draft pick part of this, and Mike Hughes was one of my very favorite players, one of my very favorite cornerbacks coming out of that draft. So I was really excited to see him, but Mike Hughes has undergone a lot of injuries. Uh, midway through his rookie season, he blew out his ACL. 
It took a long time to recover from that. Like through some of 2019, he was still recovering. And then he fractured a vertebrae in his neck at the end of 2019. That neck injury continued to bother him all throughout last year. He missed a lot of time. So he's a guy that hadn't been on the field much, but he is an explosive physical player that loves to scrap. And so that's kind of why I liked him because he's going to get downhill He's going to press, and he's got pretty good ball skills as well. Lots of positive things to take away from him, but I think when you turn on the tape, you see a guy that hasn't had a whole lot of progression at the NFL level. He's still guessing on some routes. He's still got some stuff that he needs to sort out as far as his, you know, as far as his football ID and things like that. He, he looks largely the same player that he did when he came into the league and hasn't made much progression. I know that's very common with Minnesota Vikings cornerbacks, unfortunately <laughs> for that organization. They don't really develop guys particularly well. So I do think that he's getting put in a good situation here. It's just going to be medicals and him really feeling like he can go out there and play at a high level. But if Sam Madison gets his hands on him, we've seen how quickly he's gotten guys around and into the system he could be a little bit of a steal here. Well, I want to come to Mike Hughes' defense here a little bit. I don't think that the Minnesota Vikings coverage system is kind of where he would excel in the NFL. Mm -mm. They like to press guys. They like to play a lot of press coverage. They like to use their big, long, strong corners on the boundary, get up in a receiver's face, and kind of just hang on them and get, take them vertically up the field. That's not Mike Hughes. He, I always thought he was a little bit better in zone coverage. Doesn't have the greatest route feel, but he's really good at reacting, driving on things that he can see. Allow him to keep his eyes on a receiver, but most specifically the quarterback too. That way he can come downhill. He can play quick. That's where he's at when he's at his best is when he can see stuff and react to it. So if you want to feel optimistic about Mike Hughes, hang your hat on the fact that he went to a system that didn't utilize him overly well. Now, when you're going to flip that back over to going to what Craig said, pessimistically, I don't think he's shown you a ton of progress in terms of understanding his zone drops, understanding route combinations that are coming to attack him. He's largely been the same guy that he was at UCF. You can still get him in the exact same ways. So it's just going to be a matter of getting him to a new coaching staff, coaching him up and seeing what you can get. And unfortunately, being still a little bit of an off year, you don't know exactly how much time he's going to get with the coaching staff compared to a normal season. And you are heading into the last year kind of on his contract. I think for him, play ID, I actually, if it's in front of him, you kind of talked about it being in front of him. Stuff in front of him, play ID, concept, route, concept, stuff. I actually think he did a decent job with stuff in front of him. It's just understanding the big picture, you know, with depth and from depth and stuff that might be working behind him and all that kind of stuff. That's where I think things got a little bit trickier for him. So, like, some of the underneath stuff, I actually thought, he, you know, like you guys talked about quick to trigger. I actually thought he, he triggered down pretty good on some of that stuff and had a good understanding of all that. It is just... It's the whole picture and you've got to piece all that stuff together. You know, you go back to the injuries and, you know, he, this guy, he was, he was a lot of fun. And I am really surprised Maddie wasn't standing him harder because this is, this kind of fits the Maddie Lane profile. He was in the same draft class as Jair Alexander and they had the same energy in a lot of different ways. But uh, I think you, you I, he is pretty reckless with his body too. And I think he has been going back to college. So that is, you know, you talk about some of the injury histories and stuff like that. It's not all that surprising. It's not like he's the biggest corner in the world and he's willing to stick his nose in there, but that can come at a price. And not to say that his 
injuries are necessarily related to being such a willing physical player, but yeah. it's just the reality of, I mean, I, you're, you're, you're giving yourself more opportunities to get hurt and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what I saw with him. So Maddie, I'll ask you this. Your oh, before vision. we jump, before oh. we jump, real oh. real quick here. Okay. I just, wanna, I just Hollywood, say. Hollywood got a camera on him, oh, and all of a sudden man. he just wants to start just I going mean, off. Look at on the his backdrop, own. guys. When you're watching this on YouTube, oh, check Lord. out the handmade backdrop. He did yeah, this overnight. This is real. He made this. This isn't a joke. Maddie made his too, and it looks fantastic. By the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It only took us multiple episodes to comment on mine. That's okay. We'll move it on. I don't feel bad about this or anything. <laughs> my cues <laughs> to bring it back. Let's, let's just reel it back here. My cues. I, I do agree with the hold if it's in front of him and to the to the point where he peels off of his zone coverage responsibility really well yes. and lays big hits on crossers. Like a lot yes. of his past breakups over the past, you know, since he's been in the NFL are coming from him triggering off of a coverage responsibility to light up a player. And he does it legally. To, you know, he's not like head hunting or anything like that. He's playing through the body. So that's really good. The play ID, the route ID part of it that re- I really struggled with when I watched him at the NFL level here again was comebacks, out routes, in-breaking routes. He opens his hips a little bit too early, and he doesn't ever feel the break of the receiver. So in those man coverage reps that he's going to be playing on the boundary, that's still going to leave him fairly susceptible or in from the slot even slot is worse because it's a two-way go but i mean there are those susceptible things there but if they can keep him in that zone and spags likes to play zone if they can keep him in that zone where he can read kind of inside keep his eyes in the backfield and react off of that and make plays on guys coming into his zone i do think that he thrives in that so from that point to you guys's point i really like that aspect of his game well, and he was a four-five-three athlete coming out, so maybe he's not as confident on a vertical plane because he doesn't trust his long speed. Mm-hmm. So that could be part of it. Well, I think this is a great point to transition to your question you were going to ask me, Kent, because I think I have a slightly different opinion than Craig does about where Mike Hughes may or may not excel for the Chiefs. Matthew, may I ask it now? I think you should. Okay. Well, I have a question for you, Matthew. Would you prefer Mike Hughes in the slot or the boundary? So I think working through everything that we just said about Mike Hughes, triggering on stuff downhill really good in front of him, operating the best when he can see the quarterback, when he's not having to worry about playing deep. I think what Craig said earlier, opening his hips up too early, what Kent just said and not trusting his speed, I don't think he likes defending vertical routes. I think he is afraid of getting beat deep against the vertical routes them. Don't put him on the boundary ever. He has no business playing on the boundary if he's going to play for the Chiefs. Put him in the slot. Let that feisty play. Let the ability to play these underneath zones excel by putting him in the slot. And yeah, you will still have to deal a little bit with guys going inside or outside. He will have to play the route stem a little bit more, but he will get to look at the quarterback while doing so, and he won't have to worry about playing deep. He's not playing in this heavy cover three system that Minnesota stuck him in a ton of times. I do think that's going to be the best spot for him. I think he's quick enough. He's got the mentality to excel in the slot 
really, if you look at what he does well compared to how the Chiefs have played their slot defenders lately, he's exactly what Tyron Matthew, exactly what Legereus Sneed have done well. You just got to get him to that final point on the mental side. Yeah, and to argue with Maddie here, to make my point, no, I think he should play in the slot. I really do think <laughs> that he should play in the slot for this team. I, I do. I know that he gets a lot of help. Uh, from uh, split safety looks in Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. I know Spags likes to play those two high looks, so he's going to get more of those looks. But he played slot at Minnesota at times, particularly last year as they were easing him in after they've, you know, they, they seemingly draft a corner every single year, and then they added Patrick Peterson this year. So, you know, it just, he got a little bit crowded out, so he played some in the slot to begin last year, and he looked pretty good at it. He's a very physical run defender, and he's going to trigger and drive underneath. So a lot of the things that Spags really likes out of his cornerbacks, especially his slot cornerbacks, he does really well. Now, we've seen guys, you know, I, I think everybody is kind of hanging their hat on Legereus Need in the slot based on how we watched him play last year, and I get it. Trust me, I do. But I do think that Sneed on the outside is a better fit for what Spags would like to do and moving a physical guy like, you know, like a Mike Hughes into the slot there allows Spagnolo to have a little more flexibility with his roster and his secondary. So I do think that that's going to be the case. And Maddie has a rebuttal. Maddie, fire back at me. Well, Craig, you're wrong because I. I wanted to talk about Legereus Sneed because I did just want to reference the reason that Legereus Sneed went on day three of the NFL draft was because he played in the slot his final year in college. He mm -hmm. did not enter the NFL as an excellent slot guy. His best film was as an outside cornerback. Then they moved him to safety in which he played a lot more slot reps because that was considered the quote-unquote most important position for their defense, and his film wasn't as good. He looked like a guy that was a little bit out of his element. I think for the Chiefs, you could easily argue that he was better in the slot than he was outside, but I don't think that's indicative of where he's going to be going forward. Put him on the outside where he was better in college, where his physical profile lines up better. Let somebody else take over those slot reps. Worst case scenario, you have Sneed, you have Matthew. You can move one of those guys back in, but let's got to remember, Legereus Sneed was a better outside corner in college than he was in the slot. That can happen in the NFL too. Let's not pretend like his outside tape wasn't good last year because we, right really we saw him outside to start the year, too. So, I mean, that dude, yeah, I thought, you know, he had a great start to his career at two different spots. Like, I'm geeked out about LeJerry's. We haven't really talked enough. It's crazy. Like, it kind of just feels like, I don't want to say an afterthought, but he just kind of feels a little bit inevitable. Like, he's just, he's a good football player and we're all geeked he, out about him. He's the best cornerback they have. Like bar none, yeah. and he did it in one year, in half a year, half a Held year. Legarius positions at two different yeah. positions. It's true. Legarius Sneed was a rookie last year, and a bunch of former or a bunch of rookies will be entering this uh, this mini camp here this weekend for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you're gonna Beautiful see. Segue. I, well, it was segue. until I said former for some reason. I I was so close. Hold this was one. so close to being a professional podcast. Nah, it's never going to be a professional I podcast. I don't know. The word former was stuck in my head from a, a back thought. I don't know. Anyways. From a former thought? Shut up, Maddie. Rookie minicamp. 
the 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 entire Chiefs rookie class uh, we're anticipating will be there this weekend. They all have signed their contracts. You're going to see some undrafted free agents. We'll talk about a few of those here in a minute. Um, there are some players that are eligible um, to be part of this rookie mini camp. Um, I, I think it has to do with some level of service time. Maddie, you might know. Why don't, I, why don't you just tell us a little bit about rookie mini camp? I'm getting a little bit too far ahead. Maybe I should just let you explain some of the stuff because you were doing a little bit of research on it. Yeah. Rookie minicamp comes up every year, and I don't think that everybody, this includes me, always has a great grasp of actually what's going on. Because instead, we usually sit around on Twitter and just wait for the highlights of our favorite player that they're going to post out there on social media. But really, rookie minicamp is mostly about the classroom work. It's getting guys the playbook, letting them learn some formations, getting them some of the base level installs of the team, and allowing them to take that classroom work and then translate it directly onto the field right afterwards. You get a little bit of time working inside, you know, at a desk, on the whiteboard, whatever. Then you go to the field, you go out there, and you show what you learned, how well you can take this newfound information and translate it onto the field. You're not getting one-on-ones between offensive and defensive players. You're not getting team periods or anything like that. If you ever see a one-on-one rep, I'm pretty sure it has to be an offensive player working against an offensive player or a defensive player working against a defensive player. I'm barely sure I read that somewhere. So you're not allowed to even get any kind of worthwhile reps out of this. It's just how well do you take what you're learning and putting it onto the field and how well can you execute it once you get there? Yeah, it's. I think that it's a. It, it, some teams have gone away from a traditional um, rookie mini camp. I know some teams will have everybody, you know, have all these young players come in, and it'll be an acclimation period where, um, you know, they'll maybe talk. They'll have someone come in and talk about finances. Like some teams don't even treat it as a as a pure football weekend. Um, it's more about an acclimation period to the rest of it, but. Um, Andy likes to throw stuff at these young guys to see, you know, their ability to retain, like Maddie was kind of saying, that's a key component of this. It's more about how do you translate what you've been told? Um, how, um, how, how was the community, like, how were you able to retain the communication of the coaching staff and some of that kind of stuff? Are you able to play fast, you know, after that, the speed of the game for them still matters as far as if you're able to play and play fast, like that's a positive indicator for some of these guys. But if you have no clue what's going on, and you're not able to retain it, and you know you're playing hesitant, and that's that's a that's a recipe to not be there very long. Um, I know I, I can think of a running back that struggled to retain some stuff uh, a couple of years ago. I'm not going to say his name, that I don't think lasted very long with with the Chiefs. Uh, but I think there's some clues. There are some things that you can pay attention to this weekend that might help you get a, uh, not a, uh, just a little taste of, of, of potentially a guy that might have, you know, it might get a look or two here or there. Uh, Maddie, what do you think? If you're trying to read between the lines of this rookie minicamp, don't, like I said earlier, don't look for the highlight plays. You don't even want to look for just who happened to be in the most plays or anything like that. Look at the guys that are doing the most different stuff. If a guy comes out, if Andy comes out from a press conference or any coach or a player and tells you that they worked as a left guard, a right tackle, just in multiple positions, you know right away that they are showing the kind of IQ or the intelligence that the team likes because they feel comfortable giving them all these reps at these different positions. 
Conversely, if you see a guy that is only working in a particular way, if you see three highlights of a guy and it's only on vertical routes, they might not trust him to do a lot more. Maybe they only are liking what he's seeing when he's working in this one limited area. But always remember, you are only going to see very select things the team wants you to see. So you can't always trust your eyes. You kind of have to read between some of the stuff that you see. It's just paying attention to the variety that each player is going through. I think one of the things you can kind of look at um, that I always, it, it's, you know, who gets, who gets some, who gets some media time, who gets mm-hmm. to go and get some, that's one of the things I always just pay attention to. I'm just curious. Is there a name that surprises you? I'm, I think you're probably going to hear from all the rookies over the course of the weekend, as far as the draft picks are concerned, what undrafted free agents get a little bit of look uh, that could be a positive indicator for someone that they want to keep around a little bit longer somebody that might be getting a long look. Maybe the PR is starting a little bit early for one of those guys. Um, So that's something I always kind of pay attention to, just trying to read between the lines what information you get. I always like to, if there's pictures of the, if there's pictures of the rookie minicamp, you talk about alignment. I think Maddie kind of alluded to that to you earlier. It's who's lining up where, who are they giving a shot where? I'm guessing Lucas Niang will get to be part of this is my guess. Based on the criteria, I believe he's a guy that should be eligible to be part of this. Where does he line up? You know, situation stuff like that is all just very fascinating to me uh, personally. Yeah, me too. Um, I wish we had special teams drills that we could witness in this because I do think that that's an, that is the pathway to making this team for a lot of rookies. So yeah, I do Tobe think that there's. Too. Tobe loves this weekend. Listen, just because we're in a new venture doesn't mean that my love for special teams did not translate and come over with us. So, no, I, I, I just think that a lot of these guys tend to make a difference on special teams. We do know that Dave Tobe does have enough of a say on this roster. If there's a guy that stands out a little bit on defense, has a little bit of a promising career arc if he's out here also playing special teams really well. I think that you can kind of give a hat tip over to that guy over maybe some guys that are established veterans that have been on this team for a little while that only play special teams. There's a couple of them out there that are taking up roster spots. They deserve to be on the roster. Don't get me wrong until they're you know warranted replaced. But there's a couple of these guys that if they show really well in rookie minicamp and they show well on special teams, could offer enough upside to where all of a sudden Dave Tobe's okay with moving on with some from some of those guys and going to these rookies. Okay, well, let's talk about some players. I don't think we're going to see much this weekend, fellas. But let's talk about some players we're excited to hear about. We're excited to hear from maybe get some a little bit a little bit of attention. So let's go each up and down the list in here and just just give us a player here, Craig. I I mean the the easiest one of all this is Trey Smith. Let's see how much Dang he's it. able to practice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking Maddie's. I I, I just <laughs> it, the medicals are the big question with Trey. We we know the talents there. We know that the capability to come in and play at a fairly high level is there yes he's got to you know smooth out some of the edges and things like that but if he's able to practice every day and i know that they're going to be monitoring him like crazy this is the first time that he's going to be under their roof where they can keep an eye on him full time i think they're going to work him and they're going to see how well he responds 
to the workload that they give to him. So I think that Trey Smith, th this might be the most important evaluation that they get of him before they actually fire up training camp. I, I think that they're going to learn a lot about how he responds to the medications that he's taken, how he responds to the workload and the effort level that he's having to put on the field. We know that he didn't get to practice very much two years ago. It ramped up a little bit last year. If he can start off on the right foot and basically participate fully in this rookie minicamp, my goodness, you have to be excited about the potential of him because of that talent level and the way that they were able to catch him late because of those medicals. So since Craig stole mine, and I do think it was the low-hanging fruit, because it is, it's all that matters is what are they going to allow Trey Smith to do? There's no contact allowed here, so he should be a full go. If he's not, that's all you need to know. If he's not out there doing all the drills, I think that's all you need to know for this particular season. But if he does go out, that's great news. So I'm going to go with Cornell Powell, wide receiver out of Clemson. I think he's another guy that you can probably get some good information about from this because I do think he's a guy that's relatively pro-ready right now. He's only got a little bit of actual production at Clemson, but he's a guy that I do think can hit the ground running in the NFL. So if you come out of camp, like Kent was talking about, you're looking at the pictures, you're seeing them talk about it, and you see him getting reps as an X wide receiver, as a slot, as the Z wide receiver, working deep across the middle of the field all over the place. I think that tells you something right there, that they trust him, that they like what they see from him in terms of getting to play all over the field. And more importantly, I think he's one of those guys that coaches might come out and talk about his ability to run routes. He might do the little things well. I think that mm -hmm. they will talk up his nuances to his game. And I think when you start seeing coaches do that about a rookie, that's telling you something. They're telling you right then and there that they like what they're seeing from him. It's good to have good speed or ball skills or any of these just physical raw traits but when you start getting coaches talking about your football IQ or your ability to know how to play the position correctly as a rookie, that goes a lot longer of a way for me from this kind of situation at rookie minicamp. And I think Powell's a guy that could really impress there. Uh, Maddie, real quick, before we jump in, I do have a question. Um, is there new rules here with the rookie minicamps as far as I, when you're talking about some of this limited contacts and one-on-ones, is this something as part of the new collective bargaining agreement? Is that what your understanding is? So it's a little bit hard to dig up exactly everything that's allowed or not allowed at rookie minicamp, but I'm pretty sure that they are, there's no contact that was allowed. And there's I no contact. The, I thought in the past they could do individual drills that were one-on-one -on -one between offense and defense, but I pulled up and I had read from a couple different places that it had to be offense versus offense now during individual drills. So you're not allowed a true one-on-one -on -one rep. You can line up and have a simulated pass rush, but it can't be from a defensive player actually trying to rush an offensive lineman. Okay, and that is that a new is that part of the recent CBA or is that something that's always been the case? It's just out of clarity. You you are asking me a question that is <laughs> okay. well out of the my only depth of field, Kent, and you are well aware of that. I'm just double checking. <laughs> I do think there might be some questions about that. And I want to just make sure we're not confusing anybody there. They might, they might be allowed to have some level of participation, offense versus defense by based on some of the things I'm looking at. So let's just they have in the past. No, they definitely have in the past. I just didn't know I had read it multiple times this year. So if it's not okay, this so it year, could be it could very well be new. Okay. No, that's what I, I just wanted to make sure. Just, or just I'm wrong. trying, well, just trying to present potential clarity or have that conversation. We could be, this wrong is what that. happens when I stray away from the no. film and watching again, players. look, Listen. Matt, Matt, analytics, man. 
Listen, for- I'll tell you what. Nobody wants to hear you two argue about the CBA more than me, but Kent. <laughs> no, I just want to make please. sure. I just, hey, look, I just want to make sure we're being clear if we are, you know, if we're not, I I could be adding more. See, Maddie's audio it. is fixed and it sounds great. And so and now Kent's people are just trying. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm intimidated. Kids gotta try and figure out a way to take Maddie down a peg. That's what's going on. We yes. finally got a show where it was not. I was not having a technical issue, so Kent decided he was gonna wait until we get 20 I, minutes into this podcast, he and he te- was just coming <laughs> for the throat immediately. He had to rile the mob up to get them to come after me for three straight shows. We I get it. Get now. Kent in the comments. Get we it. Went- we went from technical issue to me trying to get Maddie on a technicality. Is that what we're saying here? Nope. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're, I'm just trying to be clear and I probably should have just let it go and we could have just rolled with it and been uber confident about our takes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with, speaking of uber confident about our takes, I'm going to go with Nick Bolton as a player. I'm excited to watch this week. Um I know that there's been a lot said about you know my my opinion of Nick Bolton, and it's not necessarily about the player. Um, it's about the value and the idea of taking a linebacker early again. Um, he's a good football player, but I'm fascinated to see what the narrative around Nick Bolton is this week. Is it, man, he really picked things up quickly? Is it, um, you know, do we get any glimpses of him in coverage? Some of those kind of things. You know, what is what are those narratives being created about a Nick Bolton? That's what I'm fascinated by. And, um, you know, I, I I think we've all kind of established this and we established at the old place for sure. We all think Nick Bolton's a good player. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody's really arguing that he's a good po- football player. It's just some questions about fit, about value, and what his strengths are relative to some of the other stuff that is required of linebackers to this day in the National Football League. And I think there's big question marks about coverage. If he gets the hype that he's picking it up super quick, like, yeah. like you'll hear some of those, you'll hear some of those platitudes. Oh, he's picking it up quicker than anybody we've ever seen. If you see that hype train start rolling, he's going to play a lot of snaps this right. year. Like They're I, not I think that this correct. I think this week can actually build him up in a way that you can start to forecast because that nickel again, that nickel's the big question here. We we know he's going to play in the base. Where is he going to play in the nickel? What does that mean for Willie Gay? I think a lot of those questions could get answered if they really talk him up this week. For sure. Speaking of Willie Gay, let's take a step back to last year. I do think there was a lot of good stuff coming now. I don't think it was out of the rookie camp, but once they got into camp, there was a lot of good talk from the team about Willie Gay. There was like a stretch. It was like a two-week stretch. It was really good, and then they just shut up about him. Well, and they were also very clear and very careful to never talk about him picking up everything really quickly. Like that was mm-hmm. never a huge point of emphasis yes. was how well he was, not that he wasn't picking stuff up well, I'm not trying to say that, but right. there was never a major emphasis that he was becoming the leader out on the field of the defense, that he was understanding the game at the level that he needed to. That was no, They never emphasized that. It was just about his playmaking ability, his physical raw traits on the field, not the mental side of it. They didn't dive into that. So I think if they go that route with Bolton, which they might very well might do, because that's something he's good at, that is worth you know keeping an eye on going forward. They're tempering yep. expectations in some regards on certain elements. So it's fascinating to see how all in they go on Nick Bolton and how quickly they do it. And that's the, I mean, that's the face of this draft class. That is their guy. That's their first pick. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how that goes and that you know, be the face of the defense as the Mike linebacker. Yeah, that's probably the case in 2022. 
yeah. I, I think they're giving him a runway to be ready for 2022. So that's, I think what, I think that's what that is. All right, let's all do a UDFA to watch an undrafted free agents, a lottery ticket, if you will, Maddie, what's you going with? Well, I think since I lost Trey Smith last time and the low hanging fruit was taken from me, I will take the low hanging fruit this time and take DiCaprio Boodle, Bootlay. I'm not sure which. I really need to it's figure Boodle. this out. It's Boodle. It Boodle. Greg calls it Bootlay, but I was I've been pretty sure it's Boodle this whole time. Always go opposite of me. You guys it's so know good. this. He can never pronounce a name. Bootlay does have a nice ring to it after DiCaprio. I will give him that. Like you want it to be Bootlay, but DiCaprio Boodle defensive back from nebraska i i was surprised he went undrafted because i think he showed a lot of versatility in the back end of that secondary that was clearly overmatched and especially the weird way that the big 10 plays pass coverage giving all the free throws to the field side of the field but regardless he played corner on the outside when there was injuries, he kicked back, he played safety, he played a little bit, not much in the slot at points in time in the season to cover for injured players. He's just a versatile guy that can play all over the back end. I do think he has adequate deep speed. He has a little trouble with his transitions. That's why I don't know if he's going to be strictly a cornerback only. He might have to move to a safety or kind of a slot defender, but he's just another guy to add to the mix that could be a potential slot guy in the future, competing with a Mike Hughes or Rashad Fenton because he is willing to contact guys. He's got solid ball skills and he has the general athletic profile. I just think that he was a guy that should have been drafted for his genuine versatility. Yeah, I can't wait for DiCaprio bootleg to get a sack of Drew Locke on a bootleg. Boot- see what I, you see no. what I did there? Mm-hmm. No. I thought we left the puns. Oh, no. You told me we left the puns. No, that was a lie. It was a lie. It was a lie to get you over here. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go with Zane. So kids Andrew. feeling a little zany? <laughs> I, I am feeling a little zany. What a phenomenal uh, transition from you, Maddie. This is a professional podcast that doesn't fact check 20 minutes later. Um, Zane Anderson out of BYU, uh, a safety. Uh, I, I think the correlations between him and Dan Sorensen are so blatantly obvious, but the truth of the matter is I, I, there's a reason that he's here. 6206, really strong agilities. Um, a good 40 yard dash, actually better 40 yard dash than a Dan Sorensen. Some really quality special teams reps out there. You'll be able to find them. A guy that could kind of play a similar role to a Dan Sorensen in sub packages. I think he's a guy, like, I don't think he's necessarily the same kind of player for sure, but I do think that he has some of the traits, the abilities, the profile, the background. There's a lot of correlations there that I completely 100% understand why a Zane Anderson is here. And that's who I'm fascinated to see. Maybe he's one of the undrafted free agents that gets a little bit of uh, media time there. That's something mm-hmm. I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Uh, I think he's a guy that could be in the mix because I think he's a guy that is willing. There's just not a, there's, you can't call him dirty Zane. Like, I don't know. I mean, what are you going to call him? We got to, you got to come up with something there. We got to come up with, we got to come up with a good nickname for him, but uh, Zane Anderson, I think, is a guy to keep an eye on. And I, I wouldn't be stunned if he's a, a strong consideration as a special team relate in the process. Do you want do you want the nickname? Kind of now. Zane the Pain Train. Oh, I love it. 
Oh, I, I just think I, I was going to love it. I and hate I, it. No, the, the fact that Kit hates it makes me love it more. What if <laughs> we call like, it? How about Payne Anderson? <laughs> Is that not better? Nah. I was trying to keep. I was trying to keep to the train theme, like Lucas Locomotive yes. kind of caught on. So I was trying to if stick we with know, the train theme. If we know anything, the only nicknames that we come <laughs> up with that stick are train related. So Zane the Pain Train Anderson, it is. I love hey, it. Daryl the Barrel stuck. I guess barrels go on trains. Craig, who's your undrafted free agent to watch? <laughs> <laughs> we are reaching. Um, my undrafted free agent is a is a guy that I did not rank very highly in the Casey Draft Guide. A linebacker, Riley Cole, out of South Alabama. Uh, he's a guy that is very stiff, struggles to change direction. He he did actually have a decent explosive profile, but really really stiff. The things that I liked about Riley Cole, really good leader sets a really hard edge and we know that this team is looking for maybe a backup sam somebody that can kind of come in and play that and a versatile player he played some defensive end at south alabama he played off ball a little bit and he was a special team stud over there and at the senior bowl he was another special team stud like he really showed out in those drills at the senior bowl so the chiefs brought him in here he actually made Bruce Feldman's freak list. He he benches 430 and squats 520. So very strong individual. So I do think that he has an outside chance to make this roster as a special teamer. He's one of those guys that I was talking about before. You know, it if you're comparing him against a Dorian O'Daniel, a guy that we know is not really getting on the field for defense. If Steve Spagnuolo likes the way that he sets the edge, if he, he likes some of the things that he can bring to the defense, I could see him maybe supplanting a guy like that because he's going to be able to play in multiple facets here. I will say this. This is, this is one of my only draft successes that I will claim this year. When I watched <laughs> Riley Cole play, <laughs> the, the thing that I saw, the thing that I said was, this man has an assigned gap, and he's getting to it, and he doesn't care who's in his way. He'll run through blockers. He will run through his own defensive linemen that are, that's already in the gap and just shove him forward. He should play fullback. Cut to his pro day. He's doing fullback drills. So I, I think that he's got a little bit of two-way versatility. I think that he's going to be a really good special teamer. I think he's just one of those dudes that that we're going to be talking about as a guy that's like hanging around as one of Dave Tobe's pets. I'm very curious to see because I, I think he checks so many boxes for Dave Tobe that it, I, I want to say that he's going to make this team already. Listen, Nick Saban wanted him until he, he was did. too scrawny. To play at Alabama. Yeah. I believe that was the actual words used was too scrawny. They, they wanted to gray shirt him. And he said, no, I want to play football. So I'm staying home at South Alabama so that he could actually play. I just love that Craig's biggest flex from this draft season is a guy that wasn't even getting a write up in the KC draft guide. I called him a fullback and he did fullback drills at his pro that's, day. That's, that's the flex. <laughs> That's Listen, his draft flex. I get so few things right in this, as you all know. <laughs> I, I'm taking my I'm taking my big dubs when they come. We I are just collecting fullbacks right now, too. So it's true. 
I think the first question that we need to hear uh, in in the uh, rookie minicamp is just for someone to pronounce DiCaprio Boodle Bootlay's name. It's Boodle. It, it is, is Boodle, Boodle for sure? It's Boodle, yeah. <laughs> that makes it even better. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you guys so much for taking a little bit of time with us. Be on the lookout for all the great stuff going on at KC Sports Network. Subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please subscribe at kcsn.substack.com to get all of our great written content from everyone here, BJ Kissel, Matt Derrick, and more. Thank you so much. We'll catch you later.